Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Tech Talks. You're chopping it up with Chuck here, and we are very excited to be speaking with Brad Bogus, the VP of Marketing at Confident Cannabis. How you doing, Brad? Very exciting. Very <laughs> exciting. I am, I am super excited to talk to you. I was just at the Emerald Conference down yes. in San Diego, and I could not, everywhere I looked, all I saw was confident cannabis. You were on the walls, you guys were on the signage, you we're guys were over everywhere. Your shoulder. It was, uh, you guys had a really big presence there. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, y- you can't miss us <laughs> a little by design, but uh, yeah, we've actually supported the Emerald Conference for the last five years and have, uh, I think this is our third year being title sponsor um, and uh, hope to do it again next year. It's a phenomenal conference for us and uh, we really love supporting everything about it. Yeah, I, I got to say that we've been partnered here at Cannabis and Tech today. We've been partnered with them for uh, for several years and because we have so many events we go to, we can't we can't go to all of the events, you know, our team gets yep. spread out and they're everywhere. So this is my first time going and man, it was paradise, you know, uh, yeah. or not obey. The content was off the hook. Um, I mean, it was just like, it, it was, it was a really, really top notch event. So kudos to you guys. And of course, kudos to our friends there at the, uh, at the Emerald conference. But that was, man, that was, that was science on a silver platter. Um, yes, and a indeed. really, really cool event. Yeah, the content is is second to none out of any of the cannabis conferences I've gone to. Uh, so it, it's definitely one of my top, you know, two or three conferences of the whole year. Um, and it's very different from what you see at most other cannabis conferences. And uh, and that's a good thing because we get a lot of the same, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just, I felt like the, the content was good, but also the size was nice. You know what I mean? Yep. It was, uh, and the way they had everybody at, at the resort there, uh, it made it really easy to interact and, you know, kind of, kind of network, uh, um, back before we had the, uh, social distancing. So it was <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. That was before kind of the too. last hoorah before all the events got shut down. No doubt. Yeah. We were, I, I, I had gotten a, um, uh, an inquiry that somebody wanted to talk to me about how the coronavirus is going to affect the cannabis supply chain. And this was just early enough that I was like, what? I mean, oh. aside from some like cart manufacturing, like this isn't going to be that big of a deal. Everybody's freaking out over nothing. And then it wasn't a week later that I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kind of just started kicking off there. But um, t- uh, tell us uh, uh, real quickly, um, how did you how did you get into kind of where you are right now? And then we'll jump into what Confident Cannabis does. But what's what's your personal story? How did you get involved with uh, Confident Cannabis? Yeah, man. Uh, well, it's it's a bit of a weird one. I, I studied acting uh, growing up and always intended to be a stage actor. Um, and so uh, being in a um, being a marketer is definitely a different path to take from that. But um, but really, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. I um, I, I got done with college and you know, started working in the uh, uh, media world a bit, uh, creating content. We, we made a couple short films at a, a video production company that I had started with some uh, friends and my brother. And, um, and what I found was that a lot of the assets of storytelling were extremely applicable in a commercial setting, you know, not just making commercials, but like just thinking about business in general. Uh, we wanted to be filmmakers, so we created a, a company to do that, and then we had to run that company. So when you're running a company, you're rarely ever 
the thing that you started that company to do. Like if you're starting a company to make films, you're rarely making films when you're running a film company. You're actually right. doing other things like, you know, operations of a business and accounting and payroll and you know what I mean? Like all these things that are not, uh, you know, creative. And so my uh, background with my family, all being entrepreneurs and me being an artist, I was able to sort of pair those two things together and found like a strong way to make a career that way. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, started a few companies in Austin, um, that were all around, uh, media uh, production as well as marketing and strategy and, you know, all of those things. And, um, you know, eventually got a little bored with it. I'd been working in like, you know, Texas. So I was working with real estate companies and a few tech companies and healthcare companies. And, you know, just after a while, I was like, this doesn't feel like I, anything I wanted to do. What am I doing here? And, um, a real grind, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And also just with, you know, people I didn't like, like not the people I was doing, I was in the business with, but like the, our clients, like, yeah. I just, you know, don't, I don't care about real estate companies in Texas. I certainly don't care about oil and gas companies. I actually kind of, you know, philosophically disagree with them entirely. So, you know, I just kind of felt like a sellout a bit and like, I was not just not in the right place. And a mentor of mine helped me identify what to look for and to distill it into a very simple thing. And he's like, look, just look for an opportunity in an industry that you like. And I was like, oh, well, I could tell you right now that's cannabis. And it was, to me, the most interesting thing that was happening in our entire generation. I mean, uh, it was an industry building from scratch that never happens really in a lifetime. But, um, but it was also an industry that was building from scratch of all of the right materials and with all of the right, you know, emphasis behind truth and, um, you know, community. And so, like, I saw the opportunity for the cannabis industry to really change the world uh, through, you know, social good as being well more positioned than trying to take a legacy industry and make it do good. So there's all these things about cannabis that interested me. I was also a consumer of it for over 10 years. I knew a lot about it. Um, I had done a lot of research. Um, I used to be straight edge. So, you know, I was kind of like, I bought into the propaganda against cannabis for so long, not because of the government. I actually hated the government, but, um, you know, I just, yeah, it was, it was wired in. Right. And I, and I believed all of these falsehoods. And when I realized that so much of this was us being lied to, like that sort of, you know, ignited my punk rock, you know, motivations behind it. So really I just coalesced all of this like background and experience and, and passion into cannabis and, uh, got opportunities there, um, worked at the cannabis for a while. And then, uh, after that, you know, through networking, I found the opportunity at competent cannabis and, uh, was lucky enough to be chosen to come lead the marketing team here. So when did you, uh, when did you have that revelation that, uh, maybe, maybe dare had lied to you, uh, about cannabis? How old were you? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'd say probably 26 or 27, which would have made that 2006 or 2007. Um, okay. I, 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 I basically, I smoked weed in high school and then, you know, like, uh, went completely straight edge afterwards for different reasons than the dare program. Like I kind of always thought the government was lying to us and was full of shit. That's why I was into the, into punk rock to begin with. But, uh, uh I, I, I thought that, you know, cannabis basically like kills your brain cells and, you know, like some of that, that internal messaging behind it all is still stuck. Right. So, um, so by, you know, the time I turned 25, uh, my now wife, then girlfriend and I, uh, got high for the first time again since high school for me, uh, on 420. 
And, um, and then I started, you know, just talking with and doing business with responsible people who also smoked weed. And I was like, huh, I thought about this differently. I thought about this incorrectly. I now know a little bit more, but I think like the real true revelation behind the power of what cannabis provides to us and just how deep those lies were, I probably didn't make that revelation until summer of 2016. I mean, you know, it was really getting deep into the, the education that's coming out of the cannabis industry and the, you know, the retelling of history while unwinding what elements of propaganda were in the original telling of that history to begin with, uh, that really opened my eyes to it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's why all of us in the media, especially in the cannabis media, we've got an obligation to show kind of the different layers, you know, of, of cannabis. And of course, you've got the, uh, you know, you've got the social aspect and you've got the lifestyle and everything like that. But I think it's really nice to be able to bring um, the science into it and the tech into it and to yeah. be able to, you know, for some people who are like, oh, I'm not buying that, you know, whatever. Then all of a sudden when it's looked at as, you know, medicine or when it's looked at as something that helps people with real conditions uh, or you can start backing it up with with some science and and things like that then all of a sudden I think it really helps to destigmatize um, and and kind of change what the uh, you know <laughs> years and years and years of propaganda has instilled in people yeah absolutely yeah I, I mean even uh, growing up as an artist I've always been like heavily curious about science uh, almost science adjacent in the sense that uh you know, uh, there was a lot of like my, my early education that started to push me towards, uh, science and technology, but I, I took a hard steer over into art, but I always like had this like intense curiosity growing up that has allowed me to continue to educate myself, um, as well as seek education from others. And, uh, when I was able to see just the deep amount of science behind why cannabis was so special, like that interested me in more science across the globe. You know what I mean? Like not just about, yeah. about, about cannabis, about all plants, about, you know, ecosystems, um, about our body, about our neurochemistry. Like it, it, it is in and of itself a Pandora's box of exploration and education that I think the whole world should be able to take part in. And so I love any level of science education that can come from the media. Um, the, the telling of these stories is so vitally important and it's just interesting, you know? I mean, like what else can we talk about in the world that has this depth of, and, and, and uh, variety of stories to tell? I, I just, I can't think of anything that's, that's similar. Well, what I think is interesting about it too is that, you know, I, I think a lot of people have a natural love for science. Like growing up, you know, I, I loved uh, space. I wanted to be an astronaut. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, you know, uh, I've got an eight-year-old daughter, right? I mean, she loves animals. She loves science, you know, the, the zoo, the Museum of Natural Science. Like I think science comes naturally for people to like it or be interested in it. Yeah. And I think it's, and I think it's really cool when you combine kind of two worlds, you know, you take our, our established world of science, you know, that what, what we know and what we're used to and everything like that, take like, you know, cosmos, you know, Neil deGrasse yeah. Tyson, like that type of stuff there. And then you find out that, you know, we're, we're finding out through talking to those people and everything like that. They've been saying for a while now, the science people have been yeah. saying for a while now, no, can, can, cannabis is, is okay. Like it's not the, you know, it's not the, the, the end of the world. Like people, exactly. are, it's funny. We've, we've kind of had an ally there all along that we never realized. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I think the science part of, of, uh, of cannabis is just absolutely fascinating. And I'm really excited to, to kind of get into more about confident cannabis and what you guys are doing. But 
Um, we've got to pay the bills. So we're going to take a quick break here uh, yep. and give a shout out to one of our sponsors. And then we'll be right back and talk some more about Confident Cannabis uh, and the science and what you guys do there. Today's episode of Cannabis Tech Talks is brought to you by STM Canna, your source for some of the best tech in the cannabis industry, including the Rocket Box, a commercial grade machine that can roll 453 pre rolls in three minutes, far faster than any other pre roll machine on the market. And the Revolution. The STM Revolution is the world's most advanced commercial grinder, processing over 400 pounds of flour daily. Visit stmcana.com to learn more. That's www.stmcanna.com to learn more. Okay, everybody, we're back uh, here on Cannabis Tech Talks. We are chatting with Brad Bogus, VP of Marketing at Confident Cannabis. Um, we were just talking about the Emerald Conference. We were talking about science. Um, what does uh, what what does Confident Cannabis do, Brad? Can you can you tell the audience? I can actually, <laughs> but you better be able to get into the marketing. <laughs> yeah. Sort of my job. Yeah. Um, confident cannabis helps cannabis businesses buy, sell and test from one another. Um, that's the simplest way to put it, but really we're a company that dedicated ourselves five years ago when we began to, uh, really tackling the wholesale trade problem in cannabis. Like when you look at all of the problems that the cannabis industry, uh, you know, operators and business owners within the industry face, um, outside of the legislative issues like the you know federal legalization and banking, the, the biggest problem was wholesale trading was just too hard. Um, we were dealing with businesses that were you know emerging from the illicit market um, and in just in general not really aligned to using technological tools to help find products to help find buyers. In almost every industry, you have technology that helps people do these jobs, right? Sales uh -huh. and, and buyers on either side of any given retail or uh, product supply chain are able to find each other in a number of different ways without having to walk out their doors. In the cannabis industry, almost everybody is operating via door knocks and text messages and phone calls and emails. Um, arguably, our biggest competitor for wholesale trade is Instagram because of the way that cannabis business operators work almost entirely on Instagram. So, you know, trading was hard. People didn't trust each other. They couldn't believe that uh, a product tested for the results it tested with because you never really knew the producer who might be walking through your door telling you, yo, this stuff is fire. It's 28%, but they're showing you a test result for a different batch. There's just like, there was all of those problems, you know, uh, in, in being able to trust any given person that is trying to sell their product to you as a retail store and, uh, and knowing that the test results were actually valid that the, the business owner was also licensed, but just, you know, e even outside of those problems, like being able to streamline communication for people to give them one place where they can find products across their state was just something that didn't exist. Um, and there's not really still m many options to find that if any options to find that outside of what we've recently built. So um, we wanted to solve that problem. That problem is not easy to solve. You can't just give cannabis business companies software and say, here you go, problem solved. Um, there, there's, there's a lot that needs to take place and you really need to unpack that problem to understand that what belies it is trust and transparency issues. Um, right. you know, and, and to be able to solve trust and transparency is not a technological solution that you just build software for. It's not just a feature. Um, you have to really, you know, strategically back into this problem. And so what we started with was building laboratory, uh, software for cannabis labs. 
And uh, all cannabis labs have to use software to take data from their instrumentation and then provide it to their clients in a meaningful manner. Um, and that software is called Laboratory Information Management Systems or LIMS Systems. Um, and nobody had built anything for the cannabis industry. So five years ago, we started by building LIMS Systems for the cannabis labs. And the point of doing this was to know that we could acquire you know, a pipeline of supply through the cannabis labs at the earliest known point that a cannabis product can be bought or sold. Everything has to be tested. Once you have mm -hmm. a lab test, you can then sell into the wholesale market or, you know, uh, or to retailers. But if we were able to connect to cannabis laboratories, we could have the earliest known point for that product to be available. And we'd be getting those test results from the lab directly rather than from the producers after they've had an opportunity to say fudge the numbers or Photoshop their test results. So uh, we get a pipeline of verified and trusted supply of information from laboratories. Those clients who use those labs uh, get accounts on our lab software so that they get their certificates of analysis delivered to them through a dashboard. But they also have results pages that they can share that are really clean and easy to see um, buyers can access those test results via links sent through email or text or a QR code. And so we really made that information transfer very transparent, very easy, um, and, and streamlined in like a very similar way so that you always knew what you were seeing. Um, and that was the first step to solving the wholesale problem. So where we're at now is we've just uh, launched our wholesale platform in California. Um, we've operated it in Oregon now for about a year and a half. And this platform is essentially just putting a buy button on those test results. It takes those lab tested products and then automatically populates them into a marketplace where buyers can find any product in their state based on category and a number of different filters that looks through the chemistry. They can say, I only want to find cannabis that's 20% and above and has been tested for terpenes and is flower and, you know, boom, all these results show up that fit those parameters. They can add price, you know, uh, parameters around it. They can save searches and be notified when new products are available. And, uh, and, and that's the, the thing we've been building towards for five years. We finally now have it out there. We just brought it to California um, and we're seeing a lot of success with it because it's something that the industry really needs. That's, that's pretty smart that you guys, uh, so you guys came up with the limb system and then you sort of expanded out from that um, to kind of connect the dots for, for, uh, for all these different, you know, people that are touching, uh, that, that need access to these, uh, uh, statistics and the, and the numbers and the, and the, the results and everything like that. So you guys, you guys took it like several steps further than just creating, uh, the, uh, the system for, for the labs. That's right. Yes. Because what we were looking at was the totality of the problem, right? Uh -huh. um, the, the problem isn't that retailers are having a hard time just finding products. In fact, if you really look at their world, they have people beating down their door trying to take their time to sell them products. So like retailers have a steady stream of people coming at them to try to, to, to get them to buy from them. But that's not efficient. If a retailer meets every single person at the door that comes knocking, their entire day, every day will be spent just, you know, dealing with producers and, and smelling the right. product and seeing what they've got, right? If they were just to, to focus on their emails, they've got plenty of emails to keep them busy for the day. That's not really efficient, right? That's not helping them make their margins. But aside from that, how does a distillate manufacturer source trim? Where, where are they going to find all that bulk material? Where is an edibles company going to source distillate? Where are they going to find all that bulk material, right? Every single member of the supply chain is, to the, for the most part, a buyer and a seller. 
And, uh, and the process with which they have to do those tasks is incredibly difficult. And that information is not easily available. And if it is available, it's really hard to trust. So, you know, if you really want to solve this problem, you can't just build software to solve it. You have to like really understand what underlies these problems. And what underlies it is that lack of trust and transparency. So, you know, we were able to provide a great service to labs. We still have one of the leading limbs for cannabis labs. We have over 60% of the labs nationwide using it, our software. Um, so we're, we're still providing a great benefit to the cannabis labs out there. We're integrated with metric. We give them a whole lot of things that they're not able to get elsewhere and we're the cheapest option. But the point for us is that that allows us to solve some of these fundamental problems that are preventing this wholesale trade from occurring all across the supply chain. And, um, and so it's, you know, the clients who are using both our lab software through the cannabis lab they test with, and also the wholesale marketplace actually have one place where that, that stream of information is coming and able to be actionable in the sales world immediately. We're integrated a metric across the board so their inventory balances can sync and it just streamlines this process so that they're not spending hours of every single day trying to accomplish what should take them 30 minutes or less. And that's what we're able to give them now because of that connection to the laboratory software. Well, so that's, that's brilliant that you guys are, are actually, you're saving them time. You're helping to, you know, let, let's be honest, uh, um, this industry, but when it was, was underground, you know, you didn't know necessarily what the quality was or what the, you know, the profiles were or, or what you yeah. were really getting. I mean, you, you know, they could tell you it's lemon haze and it could be something else or. Right. Um, well, you wouldn't even write anything down. Like that's yeah. all that could be used as incriminating evidence. <laughs> right. Right. And so this is, this is, a I think, I think it's really cool that the, um, um, the technology, that software, that, you know, the, the science, here we go again, yeah. um, it, it really helps just take the entire industry, helps it level up. And, uh, and, and you guys are, you guys are kind of leading the way with that. Yeah, man, it's really exciting. I mean, the, the cannabis nerd in me could not have found a better place to, to play. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> we have the largest database of cannabis chemistry that exists, I think, because of how many labs we work with. Yeah, um, that's, you know, for what it's worth, that's like an uncontested or unfact-checked uh, point. But I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is every product that goes through these labs, that data comes into uh, our software so that we can deliver it to their clients. And so we have all of this chemistry data coming from all of these products, from all of these producers at all of these labs across the nation. And as a result, there's just so many data points now that exist within that flow of information. We protect the hell out of that data. We don't, allow anybody access to that data. We'll never sell that data and we'll never do business with our clients using that data against them. Like none of that is what we're here for. But what we can do is some really interesting stuff when we anonymize and aggregate that data and start looking at, you know, uh, trying to answer the fundamental questions like what is the variability of cannabis chemistry within flower and um, how accurate are strain names when you're talking about cannabis flower when it comes to predictive effect. You know, can you expect that the blue dream you're going to buy in Colorado is going to give you the exact same effect as the blue dream you might buy in Oregon? Um, does blue yeah. dream even mean anything? Right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. How accurate are strain names? Uh, not very, it turns out. Um, really, like, you know, sh the word strain is, is, is problematic. Let's call them cultivars, right? So these are okay. genetic different, you know, uh, versions of a plant. Um, the genes of the plant... If you can certify them, which is not required in any state, so keep in mind that just the name of anything on the market is dubious to start. 
Um, there is known practice within the industry that somebody could grow a strain called Slimer, but nobody knows what the hell Slimer is. So they're like, well, this isn't going to really sell, but if I call it Jack Hair, it will sell. And so they just rename it, right? Something popular, something that sells. And then, you know, there's no reason that any of the state regulatory bodies would have a problem with that. They, they don't look for it. So, you know, right off the bat, you, you can already say they're in, it's in dubious waters, right? But even when you're yeah. using genetically certified uh, cultivars, um, the each plant is variable. I mean, even within one individual plant, the top of the plant versus the bottom of the plant has variations in the chemistry, but you can give the exact same certified genetic to every grower on the planet and they will all grow a different version of, the, uh, of, of cannabis chemistry in that plant. There's a really great uh, competition called the Grow Off that does this exact uh, type of experiment where they work with the certified cultivar. They use clones. They distribute the clones to different competitors. Some 30 to 60 different competitors will grow that in their own fashion. And what they find are uh, 30 to 60 variations of this cannabis plant that look different, that have different uh, chemistry in it. So it, it's really interesting to see uh, just how variable these things are and just how little some of the things that we've use to understand the cannabis world, how little they actually mean. Um, you know, to know that there's something like 3000 plus cultivars of cannabis being sold on the shelves out there, th that doesn't mean there's 3000 different versions of cannabis, you know? Um, in, in fact, there might only really be 10 to 20 different versions of cannabis when you look at the chemistry, irrespective of all that. Wow. So is, is Indica and Sativa, is that a, a accurate kind of kind of representation of what people are getting or are we getting more into terpenes is conclusively absolutely not yeah <laughs> there is there is no chemical meaning whatsoever to indica and sativa um we we've been able to prove this we have a a, a platform that anybody can go play with uh, consumers and uh businesses alike on our website, it's for free, it's called Connect. What we did was we took all this cannabis chemistry information and we were essentially saying like, you know, if you're talking about effect, right? Yeah. The bouquet of chemicals that creates that effect or the entourage effect uh, as it's currently understood is both cannabinoids and terpenes. So we were like, what if we took all of the flour in our database that is in wide trade, not the proprietary stuff, let's leave that out, but just the stuff that's in wide trade and, um, and looked at only the, the samples that have been tested for both cannabinoids and terpenes. And then uh, through some very complicated data algorithms and data modeling, build a 3D space that takes cannabis strains or, or cultivars rather and uh, places them near each other when they're chemically similar and far apart from each other uh, when they're chemically dissimilar. And this is like math in 26 dimensions, but what you get is this really crazy shape of all these little dots that you can play with. And yeah. you can see the, the ratios of, of cannabinoids and terpenes there. You can look up names, you can look up regions, you can look up states. So there's a lot of different ways you can play with it. When you click one of the filters that's Indica Sativa, you will see very visually that Indica and Sativa occupy the same space together all across the board. Um, but you can also, you know, look at just cannabinoid class in general, the CBD to THC ratio tends to be the main differentiators between most cannabis strains. And then, uh, we have some that are colored for THCV because there's enough of that showing up in the, in the data. But, uh, but you know, yes, really to answer your question, indica sativa mean only the size of the plant as it's growing, but nothing about its chemistry. Um, the, uh, names mean you know, something we think about the chemistry, but we're not sure that the names are even accurate and we're not really sure to what level those names really mean something. Our, our best guess is that a given cultivar that is certified genetically 
can give you sort of which terpenes and cannabinoids might exist in its ratios, but but not the volume of each of those. So think the, the best uh, analogy I've heard is uh, our CEO, Steve, says that the genetics give you sort of the station on the radio to tune into, but the uh, the actual, you know, uh, terpenes and cannabinoids, the volume of each of those, uh, you know, like an equalizer are going to be determined by the decisions you make as a grower. You know, whether you're indoor, outdoor, HPS lighting versus LED, live soil versus, you know, aquaponics, well, all those decisions, there's a, mil- a million different variables that can go into it. Maybe not a million, a thousand, whatever, <laughs> but they create a whole bunch of different outcomes. And, uh, and, and almost none of the ways that we understand cannabis will accurately predict anything in terms of effect for uh, any given consumer. That's, that's so crazy because I'm a, a, typically I'm a kind of a sativa guy, right? Yeah. I feel stupid even saying that now, uh, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of a sativa guy. You know, you get the creativity going and sometimes it can kick in a little bit of that, that kind of paranoia, you know, yeah. where you're thinking too much. On the other hand, if I, if I'm, you know, uh, uh, with an indica, I feel like my eyes get kind of heavy and yeah. I feel like, you know, that there's that uh, relationship different between the sativa and the indica. But what you're saying is there's a whole lot of other factors that are playing into that than just uh, uh, paint with a broad brush. That's absolutely right. I mean, we use indica sativa as shorthand for being up or downer, right? And that's yeah. pretty much the binary that most cannabis is referred to as. But as you just mentioned, there's a plethora of different outcomes based on one of those binaries. Like, you know, I can smoke some sativas and I can feel dopey and kind of laugh at dumb movies. I can yeah. feel, you know, wiry and a little bit like creative, but maybe caffeine buzzy. And then I can feel full on chest compressed panic, right? Um, that, that, Gorilla that's, panic. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Someone's like, there's an elephant stepping on my chest. Yeah. Uh, that, that is, you know, already a, a multitude of outcomes from what is classified as the same thing. Right. Um, at the same time, um, most you know classic indicas actually allow me to focus because my brain chemistry is such that I probably would have been diagnosed with ADD if I had been born in 1985 rather than 1980. Um, you know, so uh, I have to sort of treat what is my already imbalance in my brain, and because my brain is super hyperactive and I'm constantly distracted by myself and have a hard time focusing. When I have a uh, strain of cannabis that normally would be considered couch lock to somebody else, it actually slows my brain down in a way that allows me to focus on something specific, the way that, you know, say Ritalin works for people with uh, ADD. And so, um, you know, indica in and of itself, you know, classically would mean sedative, would mean down. But for me personally, it means focused and productive, which is what sativa means for most other people. And what that told me is that, you know, these things are about our particular chemistry in our brains right. as well as they are about the chemicals that we're interacting with. We know cannabis to be a homeostasis, but my wife and I have different brain chemistries. You know, right. um, she needs something that is quote unquote an upper, the classic sativa, like the sativa that you were talking about. Th- those things to her help her be productive. To me, they make me unproductive. But when I smoke, you know, the stuff that makes me productive, it makes her couch a lot. So why are we having different reactions to the same strains? That means we're bringing different chemistries into the experiment. And if cannabis is homeostasis, it's going to be creating different outcomes in both of our brains to achieve balance, right? Because we have maybe, you know, I might have a, a, a heavy overdose of serotonin and a low amount of dopamine naturally in my brain. Hers might be the flip-flop. So you know, the same strain of cannabis is going to react differently in our heads because it's trying to create balance in different ways. 
That is, uh, dude, you nailed it. That's, that's probably one of the best explanations I've ever heard. Uh, other than the fact that dude, we're all unique. We're like snowflakes and we respond yep. differently to different things because we're, because we're all wired differently. You know, we're it's all absolutely we're, right. We're all kind of built differently. Okay. Well, let me ask you this because we just had, um, we recorded the podcast earlier with, uh, Yobi Benjamin. Um, he's one of the, uh, you know, kind of the leading, uh, experts out there right now on testing for coronavirus. And he told us that um, the cannabis industry right now is poised with their, uh, the equipment that they have in their labs. Um, I believe they're called PCR machines that yeah. they use to determine genetically the, the RNA, the DNA of, of the cannabis, that that equipment can be used um, to test for coronavirus. Wow. Yes. And I thought that was super cool because he told us there's approximately a thousand of these machines. And obviously our system is going to be super stressed right now. Everybody's trying to get tested. Um, you know, everybody's, everybody's really, really on edge about this and it's extremely communicable. Um, but I think this would be awesome if all of a sudden the cannabis industry goes, okay, hold my joint. And they, freaking, uh, <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? And, and they put on the, the S on their chest and all of a sudden they can use, they can utilize that testing equipment that they already have to help uh, expedite the testing for the coronavirus. And I thought that was just, I thought that was That's just captivating. Awesome, I think that would be the coolest thing that the industry could do right now. Um, And really like, we're going to have to talk afterwards because I want to, I want to get that contact information. We, we have, you know, like we work with, you know, over half the labs. So like, I want to get that story into their hands. I think Mm -hmm. that would be really cool to create some sort of, to coalesce some sort of like, you know, uh, some movement within the cannabis space to help out in which way they they can. I I will say that in response to coronavirus, I have seen uh, the flip side of this attitude, which is uh, cannabis opportunists trying to claim that cannabis will prevent or even cure uh, coronavirus. There are a number of people out there doing that. One of them is a very high profile NFL player who owns a CBD company who's doing it. And that's disgusting behavior. It's going to do the absolute absolute opposite. Uh, It's going to put the villains uh, symbol on our chest rather than the S, right? So uh, maybe maybe we can get the labs to do the right work. It, it was Kyle Turley, and I and I saw it too. And I've also seen somebody else post, not as high profile, but they posted that CBD cures uh, coronavirus. And yeah. this is the kind of shit right now that makes us look bad. This exactly. is the kind of stuff that takes. You know, it's like we're going two steps forward. Uh, and then, you know, three steps back, this is the kind of crap that we have to get out. And again, um, I think it's really cool to see the leaders of the industry rally around not only the common sense, but you know, the same theme, the science behind it. There's no science that, uh, you know, that uh, gargling with vinegar is going to kill the coronavirus. (laughs) There's no science that CBD cures it. So let's stop putting that out there because that is, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that just confuses people. And, and, and like you said, makes, makes us look bad. Exactly. All a prohibitionist needs to do is take that dude's tweets and anyone else who's saying the mm-hmm. same bullshit in our industry and take it to Congress and say, see, see, this is what they're doing. Cause there's anything to turn a buck. And yeah, yeah I, it, it's absolutely disgusting, but the good news is that there are people that are doing the opposite, right? So if these cannabis labs have discovered that there's a way to apply their uh, instrumentation to help the virus, like that's something we want to accelerate. And, and, and hopefully as an industry, more of us can continue to speak out against people who are making these ridiculous claims and just help to inform the world that, you know, these are just opportunists that exist everywhere right now. They're trying to use this panic to make money 
just like so many others, like we don't stand for that, you know? Absolutely. And I just want to say um, the science has shown right now that um, we should not be sharing doobies. Nope. Uh, puff Puff Pass is kind of out uh, for the That's foreseeable right. future. It's bring your own. Um, let's be smart. And, you know, uh, actually taking it a step further, um, what Yobi said was that smoking anything, you know, right now uh, leads to a bit more danger because you, you don't want to be doing things to your lungs. So some people might want to think about edibles um, uh, because it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy time right now. always vape too. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, admittedly I'm, I'm still smoking, but uh, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty well quarantined over here. I don't need to, I'm not super concerned about it personally, but I know that, you know, people who are immunocompromised especially might, uh, might have a different calculus going on. Um, but yeah, you know, what's, what's, what's one of the most popular products that we're seeing in California right now are these mini joint packs, you know, like, uh, yeah. dog walkers or they're, as they're called sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, so you don't, we don't have to share a joint anymore. We can just come over with a pack of dog walkers. Everyone gets one. You can still share cannabis. You just, uh, each one smokes your own. I, th I think that's awesome, man. The innovation, the science, the tech, uh, confident cannabis. You guys are right there in the middle of it all. I listen, I could talk to you forever. Um, but my Damn. producer is like, he's waving his hands. There's a red light going here. So <laughs> let, let, uh, let the audience know where they can find out more about confident cannabis. Yeah. So uh, our website is uh, confidentcannabis.com. Uh, we publish quite a bit of content and really good quality stuff too. So uh, you can go to confidentcannabis.com slash news and read our blog where we're posting a lot of different interviews with different uh, women who work in the cannabis industry, different agricultural spotlights on cultivators and all their different interesting practices. Uh, we're publishing data on wholesale and, um, and also data on chemistry uh, often. So a lot of really good content there. We also have recently released a podcast, you'll find information about it there as well. Um, and then also, if you're interested in that uh, chemistry tool I was telling you about, you can check out Connect uh, right on our website or just connect.competentcannabis.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brad. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. I'm sure we're going to have to do this again sometime down the road. And um, yeah, listen, uh, if, if there's ever anything um, that you guys have going on over there or any kind of new uh, new trends or new ideas or anything like that, make sure you let us know because um, sure will. we really love, uh, we really love what you guys are doing out there and, and pushing the, pushing the science and helping that side of the business uh, really get some exposure. Yeah. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. Awesome. Okay, everybody, this has been uh, cannabis tech talks. We really appreciate you joining us. If you like this episode, make sure that you uh, uh, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends. And again, uh, thanks a lot for joining us and uh, we'll catch you next time. And uh, don't forget to follow us on social media so you can stay in the conversation and visit our website, canatechtoday.com.